Hello, everyone, and welcome to Back of the Grid. My name is Chris, and I'm joined by Stu. Hello. And no Tom, unfortunately, this week. Tom is pretty under the weather at the moment, so um, we hope he gets better soon so he can be back with us next week. Yes. Uh, that wasn't a bad start to the season, was it? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> You're not kidding. Was, that was absolutely brilliant. It was edge of your seat. It was, it, it was one of those races that... It, it's, it's the perfect race for me, those races. There was strategy. There was flat-out racing. And they were flat-out from start yeah. to finish. There was there was no tyre management, none of that nonsense. It was, let's go, balls to the wall, and have a proper Grand Prix race. And it was yeah. brilliant. There, there were times where I thought to myself it looked very F2 because you had like three or four cars all like fighting over the same bit of tarmac together. And we're not really used to that in F1. Mm. Like. Yeah, it, it was just just the best. It, and that's the best race I've seen for ages. And then to cap it off, we didn't know who was going to win until the last lap, which yeah. is exactly what you want, isn't it? Yeah, it's so rare, isn't it? It's, when it was really the last? We, we've, we have been blessed with a few of those, I think, the last couple of years. Yeah, last they season are especially. Rare. Yeah, last yeah. season we got a few, but they're, they are very, very rare usually. So it's, it's, it's very pleasing to see. Um, it's the competition really, really heated up this year, hasn't it? Really has. Um, I guess we'll start with the the duel at the front. Um, uh-huh. I mean, Verstappen from pole uh, got away quite, you know, quite well. He was pulling quite a nice gap. So Mercedes went for the early undercut, as you'd expect. Uh, Verstappen stayed out an additional four laps after that, which obviously gave Hamilton the lead. At the time, it felt a bit like halfway to nowhere on strategy. I guess the thing is, the second Hamilton went for the undercut, the speed he did that outlap, I think Verstappen had already lost the lead, hadn't he, at that point? I don't think there's much Red Bull could have done. Mm. Um. Yeah, like I say, at the time it felt like they were sort of halfway to nowhere. If anything, they I expected them after that to try and extend even more. But mm, I I don't know. I, I they had plenty of. I think they were always at risk of the undercut, anyway. But I think they they had plenty of time to react to it, and they just didn't. So they were either wrongly confident that they could deal with it anyway and get past them again on track. Or they just weren't as quick as we think they are. I think everyone was surprised when Verstappen stayed out. Yeah. Um, and like the, the second stops, Mercedes went first again and Verstappen stayed out 11 laps more. But that made more sense because they were on different tyre strategy at this point. It was... Um, you know, they knew Hamilton was going to be on much older tyres at that point. Yeah. It kind of made a bit more sense. but Yeah, they were heading towards a convergence towards the end of exactly, the Exactly, yeah. Um, but I I almost feel like they'd have been better off. Again, hindsight's always good with these things. I almost feel, though, at the first stops, they might have been better off, even if they knew they were going to lose the lead at the... Even if they pitted straight away, still do that and chase him down and overtake him on the track because yeah. they did have the faster car yeah, rather than then thinking. spend the rest of the race in second place trying to play catch-up. Yeah, that, what what should what would have been the more normal solution that you'd expect in that situation is exactly that. Pit 
immediately after, maybe lose a bit of track position, but at least put yourself on a level playing field in terms of tyres. If you've got the faster car, then you're going to get by him eventually. Yeah. And even if you have to, um, even if you have to just sit behind him for a while and conserve your tyres, then do that and then put in a monster um, in lap and out lap to get around him that way. Do you think on the next stops? But I think they th- Mercedes were kind of like playing with a few different strategy options, weren't they? And they they didn't really know. No one really knew what Mercedes were going to do. Whether they're going to go two or three stops. So yeah, I think that was a big part of it. I think Red Bull were maybe suspecting a three stopper from them. Hmm. Um, Are we? Am I right in thinking that um, Pirelli have sort of moved back towards this m- more pit stops kind of vibe with the tires this season? Um, three three stops seems like the old days, like the good old days. Yeah, I'll be honest with you. Because I know Pirelli have announced the tyres for the entire season. They've not done any of this, like, announce a few at a time. They've done the whole season's worth at once. And I've not really paid a ton of attention to them. I didn't think they differed that much from what they did last season, to be honest. But perhaps they have tried to push it a little more. Um, then again, Pirelli have been terrified that this season the cars are just going to chew these older design tires to pieces which is why we had these aero changes which yeah. <laughs> Pirelli already think um the teams have found all that downforce back yeah. and more but there we go well they they may have because if they're gonna chew through these if these are the same tires as last year and they're chewing through them at the rate that they were then kind of points to that doesn't it yeah that points to that direction um they, 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 that was it they've um they've allowed them to lower the tire pressures as well this year uh, okay, interesting. A fair amount. So that again would um, probably reduce the durability of the tire to a degree because it'll get warmer and wear away faster if it's lower pressure. Yeah, it's probably going to be more thermal deg, but less um, physical degradation. I would imagine. Mm. You know, so you interesting. Good, that's going to be an interesting one to sort of keep an eye out on for the rest yeah, of the definitely. season, actually. But yeah, back to start comparing the... the tire choices last season just to see what they're doing with them. But anyway, yeah, yeah. back to the exciting yeah, stuff. We digress, yeah. <laughs> um, Tires. Yeah, so obviously it all played out to Verstappen having 16 laps to chase down Hamilton at the end. Um, I mean, it, it did nearly work. We'll get on to the, the move that wasn't in a moment. Mm-hmm. It, it did almost work and probably should have worked. But I do... I did come away from that race feeling like Red Bull got outmaneuvered by Mercedes in that race. Yeah, M- Mercedes sort of won the arm wrestle, didn't they, in terms of strategy with that one? Yeah, because there, there's no doubting that Mercedes were not the fastest car. No, they, at all they, this weekend. I, mean, I wouldn't say at all. I think there, there, well, there was definitely a gap. At this, at this particular circuit, I think there is a gap between those two cars, but... Um, I don't necessarily think it's quite as big as what everyone's making out, but we'll, I, I think we'll get to that in a little bit. Yeah. Um, that, all that being said, I mean, you have to give massive credit to Hamilton for pulling it off. Like, the again, we'll get onto the, the move that sort of decided the result in a moment, but the fact that he held on as long as he did on yeah. 10, 11 lap older tyres, yeah. it was... I, I would put that up there with the best of Hamilton's wins, honestly. Yeah, that's like Senna Mansell at Monaco level yeah. of defence. Yeah, it like was... That, he made that Mercedes four times wider than it should be. <laughs> yeah, and time. and also just the whole fight was so clean as well. Like, yeah. Hamilton had a slightly ropey season last year in terms of wheel-to-wheel racing, but like, 
it was very much the um just the the clean hard racing we've come to expect from him and to be yeah. fair verstappen as well like yeah ne- you just never got the feeling that it was going to end badly did you like no you didn't it was it was perfection from both drivers I yeah thought. it really was and that's what made it so thrilling because yeah. it really was to, you, you felt like you were seeing two really hungry drivers at the absolute top of their game you literally the took the words out of my mouth in the world yeah the fastest cars in the world absolutely going at it hammer and tong and it was it's even i can't i'm running out of superlatives it was was so so thrilling to see i was mesmerized by it the entire time and i had just had this this feeling of like butterflies the entire time i was watching it's absolutely brilliant like my the heart rate was going like yeah. crazy by the end of it. We had someone on the Discord chat. I can't remember who it was. Now someone said that they they looked at their Fitbit and their heart rate was like 110. Yeah, crazy. <laughs> Which made me like it was just as I was leaving the the chat, but I, that really entertained me. <laughs> it's not good for you this F1 nonsense. <laughs> no, it's not. Um, so let's talk about this overtake that wasn't then. Um, we can't talk about this without talking about track limits um mm-hmm. i think it's important at the top of this to clear up like there are two different sets of track limit rules in place here um the so, so there's the there's the running wide at turn four thing so drivers were told before the race that running wide at turn four during the race wouldn't be policed but then during the race they seemed to tell Mercedes that Hamilton needed to stop doing it which it felt as as a viewer it felt a bit like them changing the rule power through the race yeah. Michael Massey said that it's the difference between not penalizing the occasional thing and drivers using it as an excuse to gain a lasting advantage um I, I can see his point, but these things just need to be clear, don't they? They need to be yeah, completely well, I mean, he, clear. Yeah, he says he say if they said they wouldn't police it, but yeah, he's also said that they had two people watching every car on every yeah. lap going round that corner. So which checking. is it? So that that sounds a bit like policing to me. I don't know about you. <laughs> like I, I saw someone did a rough calculation on the time that was gained by running wide there, like Hamilton did for like many many laps, and mm-hmm. I think they worked out if you did that every single lap across a race distance, it was probably pushing six seconds, which is yeah, a lifetime like in Formula One. Something like two tenths a lap or something, yeah. isn't it crazy? Yeah. That's so what Christine Horner said to him. I like. I don't want to get bogged down in track limits talk because. We've done it a lot before, and it's. I'm sure this is going to rumble on, but it's just a further example of it just needs to be one thing or the other. Like, none of this. Like, a, a, again, this weekend, we'll penalize you for doing that during qualifying. We won't during the race. Like, well, it's the same track. Why is it different? It's just weird, isn't it? Day and, yeah. <laughs> it's, um, it's, it makes no sense. It, it, I think there's a, there's a problem with it because. Well, first of all, we've got a few weeks before there's another race, so they've got people have got a lot, a lot of time to um, to sort of obsess over it, which will happen. Um, say that, and then they'll probably forget about it. <laughs> anyway, as soon as, as soon as a big bit of news comes out, everyone's going to forget about it. Um, I think it, it's it's solvable with technology. Yeah, I mean, um, even like British touring cars have got at certain corners they'll just put a transponder in the track that knows if a car has run a certain distance wide and it'll ping the stewards yeah. like you know 
and with the greatest respect to British touring cars, it's not nearly as rich and prestigious a sport as Formula One. So, yeah. Um, Martin Brundle made a fun point, actually, at some point during the streets this, uh, this race weekend. It was, um, so for the, uh, just before turn one at Bahrain, there's a, there's a second right hand, there's a, there's a right hander shortcut for mm-hmm. the safety car to take, yeah. uh, which is how the safety car got to um, Grosjean's. Yeah. Uh, scene of Grosjean's accident very very quickly incidentally um, but he said well if they're going to go outside of the racing track why not just cut that entire corner and go through the thing <laughs> yeah it's it's it just kind of makes a bit of a mockery of it doesn't it really? yeah it's... exactly I mean obviously that's a ridiculous that's a ridiculous idea like if they if someone did do that of course they would be penalized for it but I think Martin's point was how is that any different from what is going on because they are they're cutting a corner still. Yeah. By and going like, over the white line, they're cutting a corner. So, And how do you judge at what point you are gaining lasting advantage? Like, yeah. It's it, it's just one of those things that could be so easily policed and so easily made mm. uh, into, uh, into a binary kind of yeah. decision that they, they seem to be artificially introducing lots of gray area into it. It's almost like, like there's some politics going on in the background. They don't want to be, they want to be flexible it's the wrong area to be flexible i think i think there's a very clear um white line there on the track and it's literally black and white black tarmac white line and if you go over that white line then you i think you should i'm of the opinion that you should be penalized i guess the argument against it is we don't want to go down a route where you end up with half the field have got a little flag next to the name of the tiny board because they've got a penalty and it's impossible to know the actual order of people are in. It like, won't happen. That won't happen. If you tell them that you're going to take time away from them, they're, they're talented enough that they won't go over the line. It's as simple as that. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I don't mind the system that's been used in recent years where it's like three strikes and you're out kind of thing. Like, do it a couple of times, a team will get on the radio and say, stop doing that, we're going to get a penalty. And if you do it again, well, you've only got yourself to blame at that point, haven't you? Yeah, I guess. But I think even then it opens the door to, to grey areas, you know, because what if what if you've got this system and then an overtake happens and someone ends up running wide on that track and then they're penalised, they'll turn around and say, oh, well, you didn't give me my warning, you know? Well, so- that leads us quite nicely, actually, onto the overtake in this race. <laughs> because actually the reason Verstappen ended up giving the position back had nothing to do with any of the rules we talked about up until this point. The Uh. rule broken there was it was an overtake off the track, which is a separate rule that's existed for years and years and years. And that, that would have been the case at any corner, any track. He, he went off the track to complete an overtake. You have to give it back. That's just. Them's the rules. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, It's binary. Yeah, and, yeah, and it exactly. works. Funny that, it? isn't it? It works, yeah. And, and you don't see it happen that much either as a result. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And I don't disagree with that decision at all. He did overtake was very much, he had to go off the track to complete it. Um, I mean, Hamilton uh, invited him to leave the track, but, you know, it was it was fair mm. hard racing. I don't see any issue with it either yeah, way. Yeah, there was nothing wrong with um, <clears throat> Hamilton's driving, I don't think, in that situation. He was entitled to take his racing line because he was on, he had the corner. Yeah, totally. Um, the question this brings up, and Verstappen himself brought it up, is should he have stayed ahead and just tried to pull a gap 
to make up for the inevitable penalty for it? That's an interesting question. I don't think he, judging by the fact that he couldn't get back past him, I think those tyres were more or less at the end of their life by the time he'd he taken past him. the best and then some out of them, hadn't he? Yeah, yeah. So I don't think they would have had the pace to to pull a big enough gap for the penalty. What is the penalty? Like five seconds? Usually. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, who knows, right? Like yeah. none of this stuff is necessarily binary. Um so I think one of the things that sort of sort of pricked everyone's ears up around this thing as well is is Verstappen did a similar thing at the death of the USA Grand Prix um, a few years yeah. ago on Raikkonen, didn't he? Mm-hmm. And um, was and actually ended up in the uh, in the driver's room for the podium. Yes, and then and, um, Raikkonen then, appeared in the doorway. <laughs> yeah, it was like, sorry, mate. Um, and there was a lot of confusion, and it was all very embarrassing for everyone. So. I know that Michael Massey was straight on the phone to Red Bull saying give that he needs to give that back he was on yeah. the track. And you know I th- I think with with the hindsight of what happened in the USA a few years ago and then this happening they had to be really quick to sort of get on it and they were always going to make this decision cuz it was very mm. very clearly he was way off track. He was about a foot over the curb. Um, he was off down the outer loop circuit. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I think, was it David Croft or Martin Brundle was saying um, that they were being told he had a he had one wheel on the curb yeah. or a, a bit of a wheel of the curb. I don't know what kind of braille that person was reading to uh, yeah. come to that conclusion, who told him that. But yeah, they were obviously wrong because it was a mile off. Yeah, miles away. Um, the, th- the thing is, I would like to go back to the the point of you know like should he have pulled away i i don't want to see races where the person you see cross the line first potentially isn't the guy who actually wins the race like that's no. always just feels a bit messy no one and likes i to just see that. it i just don't think it would have been that would have put a real sour end on the show, I think, if you yeah. the race had it would have been... been won like that. <laughs> it would have been very on brand for Formula One. I mean, it would. Whereas in reality, and you know, we've got to give credit where it's due, like the way that the stewards and the Red Bull and Verstappen himself dealt with it were, were perfect. Like, I, I have no problem with that. Like, we watched some hard racing. He tried the move. He didn't pull off. He did the right sporting thing and pulled over and gave the position back. And yeah, he got it right. Everyone got it right in that yeah. situation. And I think it also... Like we've given Verstappen a hard time over the years on this podcast, but that showed a level of maturity, I think, in him. It's like Verstappen of a couple of years ago would not even have dreamed of pulling over to yeah, let him back I think you're through. Right. Even if the team had been on the radio saying, the stewards say you've got to do this, he'd have been gone. No way he'd have done that. And... I, I I like that we're seeing that from him. It's it's it was one of the parts of his arsenal that we're missing, I think. And yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm getting a bit of deja vu though here. I feel like we said the we were saying we were complimenting his maturity this time a year ago or at the start of the well, season. We have, and then by, and then it's all gone to pot. Yeah, then he turned at Roxbury Portimao and had a a Barney in practice, like someone had cost yeah, him a race. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Um, I, I hope this is like not a blip and this is sort of the new him kind of thing. Um, hmm. I have a feeling it's not the new him, but he, yeah, you know, he, he is. Ca- it's nice to see that he is capable of um, of maturity and and he, you know he. I guess like being so early in the season as well, there's like a little bit less on the line. Like you can accept, yeah, potentially that it's going to happen. And he probably thought that he, he probably at that point he probably had a bit of confidence that he could. Um, have another go at him yeah totally i'm surprised he didn't to be honest i really thought at that point oh well he'll just get him next lap but yeah i mean he he had a moment um a little later in that same lap uh towards the end of it and i think he ran off and um ran a bit wide and got his tires dirty and he never really came back after that did he yeah that's correct <clears throat> yeah yeah um it, which as a i mean i i kind of like didn't really have a dog in it this early in the season i'm not really too bothered about who who mm-hmm. wins in, in this kind of championship battle as long as it's even and they're kind of like both going for it what you want to see this early in the season is just hard racing fair racing which is what we've seen yeah um but a, part, a little tiny part of me was pretty relieved to see i'm kind of like an underdog person like this is one of the <laughs> rare occasions where hamilton actually was as infallible as he and that team have been over the last years, he, Hamilton was actually a bit of an underdog going into this race. and Which is great. Yeah, it, it, I is, love it. it is fun to see Hamilton being an underdog because he, it's very humbling for him. And he, and he was very humble all weekend. And it just adds, you know, like that team have always got, they're never one to be dismissed or counted out. So, you know, they're going to go for it still, even though they're not quite as quick, they're going to find a way of, of trying to win. And well, I mean, they just, they pulled it out of the bag, didn't they? Mm. And and I know I could already hear the, the keyboard rattling from people who aren't Hamilton fans. Like I know yeah, yeah, we're saying yeah. he's an underdog. He qualified second and won the race. Like he's not that much of an underdog, but by his standards, and what we're used yeah, to definitely cons- is. Yeah, when you consider that, like, pretty much every race last year, they were more or less expected to be... I mean, you'd be surprised if Mercedes didn't win a race in the recent yeah, absolutely. era of Formula 1. Probably in the last three years, Mercedes don't qualify on pole or Mercedes aren't leading a race at some point over the race weekend, then, you, you know, you, you'd be raising your eyebrows with the, so it's really refreshing i think to see a real battle shaping up well potentially a real battle shape we've only been to one track so we don't know whether it's actually going to be a real battle over the season or whether it's just a flash in the pan for red bull but it would be nice if it is that way and the signs yeah, are there the signs are there for it i think yeah the, my point is as infallible as they've been over the over the years it's just exciting to see something a little bit different and those guys having to work for it and come up with new ideas and change change things up mix up the strategy in order to get the win and they did that yeah completely um to talk about a few other things from down the grid bottas was a fairly distant third mostly because of a shocking pit stop um (laughs) he he actually potentially could have undercut Verstappen, which would have made things really interesting at the front. But yeah, a 10-second pit stop uh, put an end to that. He didn't seem particularly happy with the strategy he was put on. He wanted something a bit different to try and get him a bit closer to the fight to the front. But um, 
as is often the case, Bottas didn't get the strategy he wanted. Yeah, he, his, he said it was um, passive, a passive strategy. Yes. Is what were his words. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just one of those things. Like, he, he wasn't as quick. He, he spent the entire weekend being less quick than, well, not, the enti- not quite the entire weekend, but most of the weekend being less quick than Hamilton. Yeah. So be, just be faster. If you're, if you're faster, then you will get the preferred strategy. You'll get the leader of the race and you, you might win some races. Exactly, yeah. And, you know, I know both cars have their own, like, team around them, but Mercedes as a whole, you can maybe not blame them for perhaps having more of their attention on Hamilton in the closing stages of that race. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Bottas had kind of made his bed a lot earlier on anyway because he was dropping off for ages. Yeah. So even before that pit stop, he there, there was a period of time where he kind of switched it on and he was, he was sort of holding station, holding the gap behind Verstappen, but... And yeah, Hamilton, he, but um, it, it just he never to me he never really looked like getting getting in that close to them. No, he was he was faster than Hamilton for like a period of the middle stint, but it was it was not really enough for long enough, unfortunately for him. Yeah. Um, Perez, let's talk about Perez. Um, <clears throat> he crazy. was he was literally on the verge of getting out of his car on the formation left after just completely shut down, and the team at the last second were like, "No, no, try this," and got it going again. Um, which meant he was able to start from the pit lane and put in just... I mean, it's the kind of drive that Perez does, isn't it? Just to come yeah. back through the field like that. This is um, bread and butter. I think he pitted the end of the first lap because his tyres were filthy after whatever shenanigans went on the first lap. Um, yeah, well, it was a safety car as well, wasn't it? So he got a free pit stop. Effectively. Yes, of course. He um, was already at the back anyway. Yeah, and I think did one more stop to yeah bring it home fifth. It was, it was. I mean, it was just brilliant, wasn't it? It was really, really good drive. Um, really solid drive. Yeah, we've got we're good. We're doing a through the field actually. That'll be online in a couple of days. If, if it's ah, nice. Already. Um, it was. It was. It felt so, like yeah, the Red Bull be, second uh, seat. Well watching. Um, yeah. Um. It almost felt like the Red Bull second seat curse was like trying to rear its ugly head again and didn't quite pull it off with Paris. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, it's so true. Um, here's here's a question for you. Go on. In the same situation, would Albon have finished in fifth? No, I don't think he would. I think he would have been further back. Although it's very difficult to say because there is a different car this season. So yeah, true. Um, I mean, Alwan did do some decent recovery drives last season and the sort of half season before, but I think was... given it's so much closer this year in the midfield, I think he would have struggled a lot more to get ahead of some of the cars. Yeah, it's it's weird. Like obviously, the fact that he had to start from the pit lane sucked for Perez, but it was almost the perfect opportunity for Perez to show off what he can do in that car, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and he's, you know, Perez is, like you say, he is the right guy for the job. He did a similar thing a few times in the uh, in the racing point last season. Well, he won from last place in Bahrain, didn't he, last yeah. season? So. Yeah, yeah, absolutely epic. Yeah, oh, God, I forgot about that. Um, yeah. But yeah, really, really, really impressive. I'm excited to see what he can do in that car. Hopefully, he can actually... Yeah, so like I, I had a thing I wanted to say about Perez later, but I'm just going to do it now. So like we were talking about the, it was kind of one of the takeaways for this race, Perez. So like, the, yeah, the curse of the the number two Red Bull, isn't it? And, mm-hmm. you know, I, 
we can't really conclude just yet whether or not that curse has been lifted because obviously what happened at the start of the race he was you know he got a bit of bad luck and that was that i think if if the race if the car if, if Perez's car hadn't sort of broken itself then we'd have a much better idea of whether or not well, it was just a how drivable the number two Red Bull is, because I feel like we need to see how close he can finish to Verstappen under normal circumstances. Yeah, don't we? I mean, I will say he didn't make it into Q three, so that was unlucky though. That I think would that was that not to do with um, the Mazepin spin. It, it certainly won't have helped, and it was. I think it was a strategy thing as well because they stupidly just. Actually, no. That was that was Q one the spin. Um, oh. He got uh, Perez qualified eleventh, so he did make it through to Q two. Oh right, okay. Um, yeah. I think they maybe didn't send him out. He maybe had one less run than everyone else, but yeah, there, there was some, he was out of sync. He was definitely out yeah. Of sync. But maybe they were maybe they were fighting a car issue at that point because they already knew they had a feeling that they were having a car issue on the way around to the grid. That was hangover from the day. Yeah, before, which would point towards it being the same issue. So. Yeah, I don't. Th- I, I don't think that there necessarily is a curse there anymore. Myself, I feel like he probably has got the goods. I think it may have been to a degree. I think there may have been like a com- combination of driver and car, not on- and car only being suitable for one person. And you wonder if um, sort of Red Bull pulling in a second, uh, an external driver who's not been part of their system. Mm-hmm. You wonder if that's sort of given them the kick up the butt to say we actually do need to make a car that works for more than just one person. If yeah, maybe maybe it's a bit of a change of philosophy for them. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's for a team of Red Bull stature, like you have to hold them to the highest standards, and Perez needs to be up there fighting at the front with the Mercedes. Yeah, ultimately, absolutely. I mean, th- this is a different mm-hmm. race if Perez doesn't have that um, that breakdown. I think. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, again, Verstappen was, like, fighting on his own again. I mean, to be fair, he was only really fighting one Mercedes for this race. But in a slightly different set of circumstances, Bottas could have come into play in that race. And he's on his own against two cars. And that's just never yeah. going to work, is it? Well, I think I think that's part of the reason they didn't pit um, Verstappen straight away when they did. Because I think mm-hmm. they were worried about falling into the clutches of both cars. Yeah. The, the, the signs are good for them, though. Yes, the signs are very good. It's... Um... It's, I think, definitely very positive. The fact that he's been able to take it from the pit lane to fifth place is very, very promising for Red Bull. Um, I'm very excited to see how they get on over at Imola in a few weeks' time. Yeah, definitely. Um, who next? McLaren. McLaren have had a really good weekend. Um, again, they sort of tried to play themselves down a little bit, but they were legitimately the third fastest team, weren't they? Um, yeah, no doubt about it. Norris, a really brilliant fourth place, um, got past his teammate at the start, um, held off Leclerc through the pit stops and then held off Perez towards the end. Just just a really, really solid drive. I, mean, I actually thought he might have been on for a podium at one point um, yeah, when Bottas had his it. issues, but didn't quite play it that way. Mm. Yeah, um, um, just really rock, rock solid. Um, yeah, he looked like a very, very mature driver in that car this this weekend. I thought. Yes, he really did. Um, he looked like he'd been doing it for years and years. 
I did think that after the race with the interviews as well, like when like you saw like Mick Schumacher and Sonoda getting interviewed, and then it cut to Norris, and suddenly Norris doesn't look like the fresh faced new boy anymore. Yeah, He's like it's funny, a veteran it? by comparison. Yeah. Um, Ricardo had a slightly harder time of it. He um he said he struggled with his rear tires. Um, started really well, but he ended up dropping behind Perez late on, finished seventh. But again, he's that that's his first race with the team. He's going to take a few races to really get up to speed. Um, yeah, I think he and remember he's in a he's, he's a totally different car, totally different philosophy aerodynamically, totally different engine. Like mm-hmm. there's a lot of change for Ricardo in this situation. Um, and he's got a very very handy teammate in Norris as well. He's yes, got a definitely good yardstick stick to measure himself against. They both have they're both both excellent excellent drivers. Um, really good driver pairing for that team. Um, and yeah, you can expect to see Perez just move closer and closer and closer to Norris, I think, over the season. Ricardo, Unless Norris, if, and if he isn't, it's because Norris is getting better and better and better. Yeah, I really think they're going to like push each other on really yeah, well. Yeah, big time. Yeah. Um, at the other end of the scale, Aston Martin had a pretty shocking weekend. They, they're complaining a lot about how these new regulations have hurt them and teams like Mercedes that tend to go for a lower rate philosophy disproportionately but like mm. i know it's a weird situation and everyone's had to adapt the cars as best they can within the limited changes that can make to this sort of new rule set but it's still the same set of rules for everyone like i don't complaining about it is not going to help at all is it really no i mean I mean, you could say that the cynic in me would say if you're going to make your car look exactly like the Mercedes, then expect to come up against the same problems as Mercedes when the rules change. <laughs> but, you know, that's the cynic in me. I, I, I tried to keep him quiet. Uh, yeah. Um, Stroll got a point at least. Um, he was fighting with signs most of the race, <clears throat> ended up dropping behind him and Sonoda at the end, but came home in 10th. Um, as for Vettel, Vettel had. A shocking weekend. Um, yeah, he didn't have a great time, did he? He got dropped to the back of the grid for ignoring your flags in qualifying. Uh, he actually had a really good start. He was from 20th to 14th on the opening lap, but they tried a one-stop. He went really long at the start, which was just never going to work. Yeah, it was um, the wor- I don't know why, on a, what they were thinking. No, what they were thinking, though. Um, then he had that collision with Ocon, which got him a 10-second penalty, ended up finishing 15th. Yeah. Um, which he apologised for. He did go to, and apologise to Ocon for that. Yeah, I mean, it was it was very reminiscent of um, Silverstone a year or two ago, wasn't it, when he ran into the back of Verstappen? Um, yeah, yeah. It, well, it was it was that classic case of you know you you go in the braking zone and you go into the waking of the car while braking and then lock a wheel because suddenly you've got no downforce. Yeah, it was it was rough. I mean, he and the team of. Said they're not panicking. It was just a, a rough weekend sort of thing, but I don't know. I, I think a lot of people were hoping for a bit of a a new Sebastian after he's like out of the misery of Ferrari and like new team and everything, and it just kind of felt like more of the same with it, didn't it? It did, didn't it? Sadly, and I, but I, I really truly think it, I don't think it was necessarily Sebastian's fault, for, particularly for the race. I think that strategy was just completely the wrong strategy. I don't know what they were thinking, why they thought. I think they basically said that they wanted to just try something different because they were always starting on the back foot. But yeah, 
Oh, they were probably well. They were hoping difference. for a safety car, weren't they? they yeah, were definitely. A safety along, car at the right point might have three, helped. Yeah, three pit stop. Let's try and nick some points, and they would have been nicking the points. Mm-hmm. But um, at the same time, like I think Aston Martin won't be too disappointed because in testing they looked a lot slower. Mm-hmm. Yeah, true. So you know, th- this is the first time this weekend that they've really found out how fast their car is and where it where it is in the running order. They didn't get an awful lot of running during testing, just like most of the Mercedes powered cars. And so, I think it's going to be a one or two more races before we see, especially a team like Aston Martin, who are who don't necessarily have the budget of your your Red Bulls, Mercedes, Ferraris, McLarens. I think it is going to be a few more races before we see them you know, get on top of their car and figure out how to get the best out of it. So for me, it's very much a watch this space. And yeah, it's definitely not as bad as it could have been. So yeah, you know, I, I, I'm preserving judgment on... Um, yeah, that's Preserving fair. judgment, I mean, on, uh, <laughs> <laughs> on Aston Martin. <laughs> um, Alpine had a rough time of it as well. Uh, Alonso, Alonso did the thing that he has done a lot over the years of you'll watch the first lap and you'll be looking at other things and you glance at the timing tower and you're like, how is Alonso seventh or whatever he was? Like he just mm. seems to like find his way up the order. Raikkonen does it a lot as well. Like you'll suddenly see mm. Raikkonen's there in like sixth place when he started 15th or something. Yeah. Um, and then they just tumble steadily down. Yeah, basically. Um, and then Alonso ultimately retired after a sandwich bag got stuck in his rear brake duct and overheated. Oh them. my goodness. <laughs> Which is all uh, that technology, all that money that is spent on these cars, making them perfect and making them go fast. Undone. Sa- <laughs> undone by a by sandwich a bag. Flimsy piece of plastic blowing in the wind. <laughs> so that's grim. Um, Ocon finished for 13th, which is about as fast as the car looked, wasn't it really? Like he went up or yeah. down a couple of positions here and there, but yeah, Ocon was actually pretty happy with his performance as well. He felt like he'd sort of done everything he could do with it. So yeah, which yeah. I guess that is just where they, I mean, we said this at the end of testing Alpine, they just look like they're kind of in a bit of a, just, they look kind of nowhere, don't they? They don't look yeah. very special other than the paint job. They don't, <laughs> they don't look particularly special. And that maybe, <laughs> Maybe the Beluga zone isn't what we thought it was after all. <laughs> yeah. I don't think any other team's gonna be chasing that design anytime soon. Yeah. Uh Ferrari seemed really happy with the double points finish. Um the Clerc felt was running third at the start, but fell back behind Bottas, Norris, and Perez. Um Sainz was a couple of places behind him. Ferrari generally seemed like very happy and surprised with how they did this weekend. I think everyone at Ferrari expected worse. Which yeah. is I mean, on one hand, good for them. On the other hand, if you're really happy and, uh, you know, it's more you expected when you come fourth and eighth. That's not the best situation to be in, in the world. But, you know, it's uh, it's an improvement on where they started last season from, for the, yeah, for sure. Yeah, definitely. It is a big improvement on last season for them. I, I reckon we could be in for a season of... Um, well, first of all, Leclerc did so much more with that car than what that car is... Maybe not a lot more, but he's definitely driven it beyond the scope of its capability. Yeah, his qualifying lap, especially his qualifying lap, was phenomenal. Yeah, yeah, that was a really good lap. Um, Science obviously he's got a bit of catching up to do, but you allow him that because he's new to the team. Yeah, um, I think we could be looking down the barrel of a potential 
Ferrari, uh, they are a bit slower than Mercedes, but going into the season, that could be like the sort of third and fourth place battle that we see unfold as the mm-hmm. as the season sort of goes on. Yeah, I think so too. Um, there were there were definitely points in the race where Leclerc was probably faster than the McLarens, um, just not enough of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who else to talk about? Uh, Alpha Terry, disappointing result, but loads of positives for them to take away from this weekend. That car looks properly quick. It looks like really, yeah. really solid planted car. Um, Gasly, I mean, he qualified fifth, which was super impressive. Um, mm. Unfortunately, he picked up damage really early on the race. He just ran into the back of Ricardo. Um, it just seemed a bit of a concertina, didn't it, really? And he came off worse. Um, he got a bit unlucky, didn't he? He was in the wrong place at the wrong time. Yeah, he really I was. Guess he, being the car behind, he could have always like positioned his car slightly differently to um, maybe not go into the back of the car ahead. But it, hindsight it, when, and all when, that. Yeah, hindsight. And when everyone's bunched together like that, it was really early doors in the race. It was after the safety car restart, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Um they, yeah, you're always going to struggle to be in the perfect position 100% of the time, and he just got, he just got a bit unlucky, I guess. Yeah, um, um, he kept yeah, going, he but really he, quick. yeah, he kept going, but um, he said the car was becoming sort of undrivable towards the end, so he retired him with a couple of laps to go, presumably with the damage that he picked up. Yeah. Uh, and then Sonoda dropped right back at the start; he was down in like 17th or 18th or something, but fought his way all the way back up to P9 for points on his debut. Yeah. Um and he looked great. Yeah. He just he drove so well. Like he's really first, good, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, he's really good. I mean, I I haven't really seen his first lap. I don't know if he was just being overly cautious or whether he got involved in something, but from that point onwards he just just pounded in the laps. Um you know, you've got to remember all these guys in their debuts, like they're doing their first ever proper race start, their first proper racing pit stops and everything, like to to navigate all that and be that quick, he made loads of really nice clean overtakes on the way to it. Yes, yeah. yeah, mm-hmm. really, really impressed. Yeah, very, very impressed by uh, <clears throat> Sonoda. I'm yeah. just looking to see if they've uploaded a Sonoda video yet, but I don't think they have. Mm-hmm. Um, no, they haven't yet. So, um, yeah, so they've done a, a Sonoda through the field video. Oh, nice. Which uh, well not through the field, but like his, you know, it's his Sonoda's stunning um, F1 debut, and yeah, keep an eye out for that one because that's a good, uh, good bit of content. Yeah, um, and then did you see his interview on Sky Sports after the race as well? I did not. I was deep in uh, work at that point. He's he's just great. Like he's just <laughs> such a just a really great person to see talk. He was and he was saying how how he felt a bit emotional overtaking Alonso during the race. Cause he was saying how like when he was something like eight or nine, he remembers being at, um, I think he said Fuji, not Suzuka. Um, and you know, watching Alonso in races there. Cause yeah. he was, cause Alonso and Raikkonen have been in the sport for, well, it's been 20 years since their debuts now. And wow. Sonoda was nine months old when Alonso made his debut, <laughs> which is a crazy thing to think about. But he's saying like how he always watched Alonso growing up as like, one of the ones that like he watched to learn from. I think he said his dad always told him like watch Alonso. He's like one of the ones. And he said yeah. even like when in the race when he was behind him, he was 
watching the way he was driving the lines he was taking and still learning from him even today yeah um, so to then like overtake one of your heroes in your debut race it was like it's just so cool i f- you know what mm. i feel like i did catch this interview actually i feel like I, it was on in the background i could hear it going in the background and it, i remember him saying about his dad saying that he really liked alonso's driving style yeah yeah, yeah. Um, but um did you know that alonso's driving style in that era was is like one of the most ugly most racing drivers find it really yeah, completely because he just like he... flings it into the corner makes it understeer and then puts loads of power on it, it kind of that, that car had a really weird style to be driven yeah didn't it? absolutely though that couple of year of uh, renault's yeah there's yeah. Some really interesting videos online about that yeah yeah definitely check those out um, um yeah exciting he's a really really exciting prospect sonoda i can't wait to see how his season unfolds i think yeah that that alpha towery is um it's smart isn't it it's it's a decent it really car. is and, and that that Honda engine when it works is bloody quick as well. Yeah, um, they're going to be they're probably going to be up somewhere in that. Um, but if they can get it all right, if their drivers can sort of you know do the business as well, they're going to be troubling that McLaren fight. You, I want to say the... McLaren Ferrari fight, but I can't. I don't feel like I can guarantee that it will be a Ferrari McLaren fight. Yeah, you like see, right be... now it sort of looks like McLaren right now are third fastest, but they're probably going to spend the season looking over their shoulder rather than looking ahead. Yeah, yeah, definitely. There's um, there's, a, there's a clear gap to the to the Mercedes and the Red Bulls to me ahead, especially the way the the race yeah folded, definitely folded. Uh, last couple of bits to mention: Mick Schumacher. Um, Saw the checker flag in his debut race. Uh, he had a pretty lonely one. He, I mean, he's in the slowest car, so it was always going to be fairly lonely. Um, but he spun quite early on, which basically put him all on his own. Um, but he made it to the end, so that's something at least. Um, mm-hmm. Can't say the same for his teammate who crashed at turn three um, after spending most of his weekend spinning, uh, which gave him the shortest debut race for any driver for 19 years, which yeah. is a heck of a stat. Yeah, um, I think five spin, at least five spins over the, yeah. over the weekend for Ma- Mazza spin. I'm I'm deliberately avoiding saying his name, which is why I call I know, him. I know, yeah, yeah, I know, yeah. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to be facetious <clears throat> like you. <laughs> oh, I'm going to do that. <laughs> um, yeah, all of which brings us on to what I think is going to be quite a tricky driver of the day. Yeah, it is quite a tricky driver of the day. Um, there's a really obvious one in Hamilton, obviously race winner holding off the uh, faster car to get the to get the race win. But um, he wasn't actually anywhere near the uh, near the driver, of the, the official driver of the day <laughs> top. I don't know why. Like, what is wrong with people? But um, Perez actually won that one, and mm-hmm. I think uh, Perez is kind of a worthy sort of contender for it at yeah. least. Um, from the pit lane to fifth is it's not easy that is it no it's really good mm. um sonoda rookie drive fantastic race for sonoda yeah i think the only thing the only thing against sonoda is if he had stayed sort of in his starting position on the first lap he probably could have been even further up yeah. by the end but there's still another impressive drive. another thing happened to sonoda at the start of the race for the aborted start so the first start that we were going to have but then didn't which mm-hmm. is the definition of an aborted start. Um, <laughs> he overshot his starting box. Oh, really? His starting grid slot, yeah, and uh, had to reverse back into it. 
But, um, That's no mean feat in an F1 yeah, car. They, n- nobody, it didn't get picked up on commentary. Like It barely got picked up. Was, oh, interesting. I, the only reason I know about it is because I saw it in a spreadsheet. <laughs> <laughs> um, but and I, I went and found it, and he did indeed. Um, he, he realized sort of halfway towards the the grid slot ahead and like you oh, see brilliant. him sort of stop it really quick and he's like I watched the whole thing of him putting into reverse and it's actually quite interesting to see sort of the steps he has to go through to get a Formula 1 car yeah. to engage reverse gear and um, you can hear like the gearbox clunking and stuff like that it's really kind of like <laughs> mechanical sound for, 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 for machines that are so advanced and so um, so high tech a Formula One car going into reverse sounds like engaging the diff lock in a Land Rover. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> just a proper clunk as it does it. It's really funny. Um, just but big yeah, bits that was, of metal move around under yeah, your that, feet. Yeah, so so not an easy, uh, not an easy race weekend. Well, not certainly not an easy start for Sonoda. He's definitely, obviously, had a bit of a yeah, kind of a. No race weekend in Formula One is ever going to be easy as your first race, but there's definitely some polishing to do <laughs> yeah. for Sonoda, despite him having an amazing start and an amazing race. Yeah, and then Norris got, points. Then we've got Norris. Norris for um, another really, really strong performance. Yeah, brilliant drive from Norris. Um, qualified. Where did he qualify? Only seventh, actually, he qualified. Yeah, he was behind his teammate. And yeah. behind Leclerc. Um, yes, yeah, so to convert that into fourth is, yeah, damn impressive. Yeah, really, really good drive. Um, um, who, who do you lean towards of those three? <sighs> and Hamilton as well. Um, and yeah. to be fair, Verstappen. I, I suppose you can't really give it to Verstappen because he lost the race, essentially. It was his to lose and he lost it. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. Um, although we didn't see much of it, I feel like Perez I'm leaning towards. Um hmm. Like for for recovery drive, that was really impressive. Yeah, I would have liked to have seen more of the Perez drive throughout yeah, the same. race. I think the fact that we had the sort of simmering, sort of scintillating race at the start uh, at the front of the uh, at the front of the order, that sort of took away the attention from what was probably would have been a really amazing drive to watch. But then we'll all get to see it on YouTube in a day or two anyway. So. <laughs> that's fine um for me it's between Perez and Norris I guess like Sonoda did have a few little mistakes that yeah that you can't really award him driver of the day because like he sh- probably should have done better and he, he himself was disappointed he was aiming for eighth and he didn't get eighth so he got ninth yeah but still an, still an amazing performance um I want to give it to I, I think you've got to give it to Perez yeah I'm definitely in agreement so I went a long way around to saying that. <laughs> Next one, move of the day. Quite a few to choose from here. Mm. Oh, yeah. This, the Vettel Alonso science duel was really good, wasn't it? When they were like yeah. back and forth between the three of them. That was Yeah, science part. got both of them in one corner at one point. Um, I think um, the Norris and Leclerc battle for a few laps was really, really good as well. They sort of came back at each other a few times. Yeah. The Battle of Bruce, the, the McLarens <laughs> at the start. Yeah, that was good fun as well. That was exciting. Really clean as well. That's why I've put it in there because it was just super, super clean racing between two, again, between two amazing race drivers. Um, you've got Norris and Gasly. On, oh, Nor- no, I've got that in there. Norris and Gasly on lap four around the outside. Yeah. 
So and he nearly got Bottas. Yeah, as well, Norris. Uh, Norris and then had a couple around the outside of uh, turn four, actually. Yeah, he likes it there. He he really he's had a few. He did it last years. year as well, didn't he? Yeah, he had a few around there last year. And then I've got um Sonoda's dive on Vettel on in, in the first corner. I think it was Vettel. Oh, from just absolutely miles from back. Miles back. Yeah, it was either Vettel or it might have been a. It was either Vettel. It might have been Alonso. You know. Yeah, it might have been actually. But it was um, a long way back, and then he just yeah just sent it, and it was so clean. It looked like he was doing it in his sleep. It was amazing. Yeah, it really did. Spoil for choice. Um, really spoiled. Now you've reminded me. I I really enjoy. I think my most thrilling bit in terms of overtakes was maybe the Alonso Vettel science duel. Yeah, I'm leaning towards that as well. That was just that was one of those bits where I said it's like it felt more like you're watching F two or F three. You've just got like cars dueling sort of up and down and position swapping a few yeah, times just like frantic like racing really yeah it really was yeah I'm, I'm i think i'm gonna go for that one as well okay cool i'm amazed we're agreeing with these when there's only two of us and there's no deciding vote yeah this i mean maybe it's by design chris who knows <laughs> it just makes it easier doesn't it <laughs> yeah. um final award of the day honestly what the f- are we doing here i mean there's only one contender isn't there really yeah it's um, got, got to be mazza spin it's like it's it's one thing just to like you know laugh at driver having a couple of spins, but the qualifying shenanigans where he, but and you know it's not a rule, but it's very much a sort of um, gentleman's agreement that you yeah. don't overtake people on the outlap to steam past that many people but, on the outlap. Yeah, so and just then immediately to, just, just to clarify, turn one. Yeah, go on. just to clarify, it's not don't overtake on the outlap. It's don't overtake into the final corner of a qualifying laps. <clears throat> that's that's the rule. Yeah, it's yeah because gem- generally they stay in order. Like occasionally they'll, yeah. like you say, they'll pass each other like a little earlier on to get a spot. But for the most part, once they're sort of in the final sector, they generally stay in the order that they're in. Yeah, um, it's discourteous to go down the back straight into the final corner and yeah. overtake what four or five other cars in the mm-hmm. process, and then immediately spin, spin at the first ruin corner. everyone's lap. Probably lost. Probably made a few enemies <laughs> yeah i Doing mean that. i was listening to on on the radio in the car at the time and jolly and palmer like did not hold back at all he said something like if he's uh if he's not got a reputation with the other drivers already he definitely has now yeah he is just not cool um and then he gets three turns into the grand prix and just crashes it all by himself yep he's done precisely nothing to uh try and change the reputation he's got if anything he's made it even worse yeah um I've I've got written down here just is is a bad driver in a worse car. Yeah, basically. Um it's like I feel even more sorry for Mick Schumacher now because like at least if he had a half decent teammate they'd be able to like fight each other like the Williams have done over recent years, but I don't even think they're going to have that half the time. No. I, well, I think part of the problem though is it definitely there is an element of car to this like the car's not good because No, I mean to be fair, yeah, Schumacher was having similar problems. Like he, Schumacher himself had a had a huge had a massive spin, at a similar part of the track. So yeah, yeah, no, it's fair. He does look like an absolute dog of a car to be driving. But one of them spun many times, and one of them spun once, and mm-hmm. you know that's the difference between a good good driver and a not so good driver, I guess. So you know yeah. let's let's not stay on this for too long because it's, it's a bit miserable but yeah it's, yeah it's, it's one of the darker wtf moments of the of uh <laughs> of a, 
<laughs> but it also has to be that one. Yeah, it just can't be anything otherwise. I suppose like if you wanted to sort of maybe sort of make it a bit more relevant, then you could say the 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 Verstappen overtake you could potentially put into that bracket, but I don't think it really was WTF. I think it was all sort of legit. Yeah, or I, I guess you it could also worked. argue the um the the ever changing track limits rules. <laughs> Yeah, that was a bit bizarre. Yeah, but I mean, there's a clear winner though, isn't there? It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's the it's the spinny boy. Um, shall we look at some takeaways? Yes. Okay, so uh, my first takeaway: the title race is on, or is it? <laughs> I think it is. It feels like I it is. I think it is. It feel yeah. I mean, everyone's very excited. Everyone's really hyped. You know, the Red Bulls fast. Blah blah blah. I just. I want to reserve judgment. I don't want to go around saying it's going to be an amazing championship year, blah, 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 until we've had like maybe three races and we know like, or even two races until Mm -hmm. we know that the Red Bull can be fast at more than just tracks in the desert. (laughs) And Imola is a very different circuit as well. Yeah, it is. I think if the Red Bull is as quick as this at the uh, Imola, then yeah, we're absolutely poised for a for a hell of a season. I think um, other than going to Monaco, you couldn't pick a more different circuit to go to next. Yeah, yeah, they they are really different, really windy, isn't it, um, mm-hmm. Emila? So yeah, that's that's kind of like my my little sort of hot take on that one. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then McLaren, the next takeaway is McLaren. They look comfortably third. Um, and yeah, we, we kind of like touched on this a little bit earlier, but like I think we could be poised for a McLaren, um, Ferrari, and Alpha Tauri freeway battle for third place in the championship right now. Yeah, that um, feels like the order currently. Yeah, again, like we're only one race in, so you know you can't you can only draw so many conclusions from one race track. And over a season, we go to many different tracks and. Things change, the order changes, people bring development and stuff. I mean, the, the really interesting this thing this year is that we've got an entirely new aero package for next year. So, you know, who is going to develop? Who's going to have the budget to develop? And who's just going to give up on it and throw everything into next year? Yeah. Um, I feel like maybe Ferrari might sort of, depending on where they end up, might be looking at probably just concentrating on next year because they've got such huge resource. Yeah, quite possibly. They could really easily just throw everything into that and and hope you'd hope that they'd nail it and come out with an amazing car for twenty twenty two. You've but, got to take your hat off to McLaren this year though, like yeah, to have to fit a new engine into a pre existing car and to have less um, room to develop than the other teams and come out of that faster yeah. than most of them is very impressive. Yeah, well, not only that, they've innovated as well. They've mm, yeah, exactly they've got a better diffuser than probably anyone else on the circuit. So, yeah, um, hopefully they've done enough to for them to not have to iterate on this design too much and stay ahead. And yeah, hopefully. Concentrate on the right amount into next season, but still have a good finish this year. But yeah, I mean, there's 20 races to go, so we'll see. Hmm. Um, work to do for Ferrari is my next one. Um, I hoped that they would be third quickest if I'm completely... I'm very happy that... McLaren are third quickest, but McLaren are third quickest in a way that makes me pleased that they've got up to being third quickest. 
whereas Ferrari have so much sort of resource, so much more resource and budget than McLaren that these days that I feel like Ferrari owe it to everyone to be third place. Like they, they, you know, they've got no business being down in this fourth, fifth position and they should be doing better. Yeah, they definitely should. Um, and again, the fact that they were so pleased with this result is just weird. <laughs> it's a bit frustrating, isn't it? It's like you know, you you should be striving for even more. Yeah, you're know. Ferrari. Like you're you're getting paid sixty million a year just to show up. <laughs> like be better. Um, and the next one, without being on that for too long, um, rookie of the race, Sonoda. Um, ex- just just a really 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 pleasing sort of performance and. Really exciting to see what I keep saying. We've said it probably ten times now on this episode, <laughs> but he's. Just, I'm just so hyped to see what he's going to do because I've always liked him. I liked watching him last year in F2, um, and he's brought all of that style and flair to to his F1 seat. And I think um, he's going to be really, really exciting and interesting to watch next year. I think that there could even be a bit of a battle brewing between him and his teammate. But... Yeah, I was about to say the way that develops is going to be really interesting. Yeah, because they're both going to be wanting that. You know, Perez is not going to be uh, Red Bull forever. I think. I think to me, it feels like they've they've got him in as a bit of an experimental thing. Perez. Yeah, I th- he's definitely a bit of a stopgap until. Yeah, they've got they one eye on their own drivers development in. drivers. Yeah, yeah. So both those drivers, maybe not. I think Gasly. Gasly's obviously got a huge point to prove. He needs to show that he's better than Sonoda. Um, if he's going to keep hold of his seat in in Alvatari and, I, and maybe even look to go into Red Bull, but go on. I still think Gasly's going to end up leaving the Red Bull camp uh, next year or the year after. Yeah, I, I, it wouldn't surprise me. I think once you're booted out of the Red Bull team, you don't really get a chance to go back. No, my my prediction all along has been that he um, replaces Ocon in a year or two's time at Alpine. Hmm. Although whether he'd want to, given where they are currently, is a different question. Yeah, I think the sad thing about this is Albon's fate. Really, if we're going to get into that, it's like, not really give anywhere for him, does it? Yeah, Albon's kind of just ended up in no man's land, and, and he was there as well, wasn't he, this weekend? Yeah, just yeah. like what hanging around. Like, yeah, I think he was. I think he was there, just sort of hanging around as like the ghost of Christmas past. Oh God! Yeah, That's dark analogy, Chris. Um, <laughs> Uh, finally, the yeah, I've got the is the we already covered this one, but is is the curse of the number two Red Bull finally lifted again? It remains to be seen, but um, we'll sure as hell find out at the next race. I hope so. Mm. I, I want to see four cars racing at the front, not two or three. Yeah, I don't think you're going to see four cars racing at the front. You might see three cars racing at the front, maybe, or you might see <laughs> two cars racing at the front and two cars a little bit further behind. Well, yeah, which, but which is still... more than we got last year. But well, yeah, exactly. And then you might see another two cars racing a little bit further behind them. (laughs) Formula One, everybody. Yeah, we'll see. (laughs) I mean, I'm basically just describing a motor race now, so. (laughs) Um, Let's move on to predictions, shall we? Yeah, let's. Um, So I'll start with us. Um, Tom and myself got a point apiece. Um, Tom for 16 finishers. Uh, which I was so close to changing my number of finishes to match you two and didn't, and now regret that. Uh, I, I have even a... implored you to do it. I even said, "Are you sure?" You I don't know, want to do it? I and know. You didn't do it. Starting the seasons, I mean to go on. Um, 
I got Verstappen as fastest in Q3. Uh, Stu, you had Verstappen fast in Q3, Hamilton mm-hmm. for the winner, uh, yep. Mazpin as first DNF, and 16 uh-huh. finishes. If only yep. you'd actually put them in the website, you'd have four points, but unfortunately you didn't. Yeah. So, uh... <laughs> <laughs> <You're> such a <laughs> dick. <laughs> if you'd only got one point, I wouldn't be bothered, but the fact that you got four, I'm going <laughs> to make this difficult for you. <laughs> yeah, um, that was... My stupidity. Yeah. <laughs> um, please, please forgive me. <laughs> <laughs> As for the listeners, we have had an opening round five out of five. Unbelievable, Mister Alistair Cornwall. Um, five out of five. Uh, we in fact it was a high scoring week. We had quite a few people came within one position um, for Giovinazzi to uh, get. Five out of five. We had a couple of people. Only one number of finishes out. Um, I mean, the the stupid thing is, looking down this list of predictions, 90% of people have gone for Mazaspin as the first DNF, which in hindsight was the most obvious, obvious thing one. in the world. Why, why we didn't all two, go for yeah. that? What, what were you thinking? Um, but yeah, uh, well done, everyone. Very high-scoring opening week. Um, bodes well for a very close fight in the predictions league uh but yeah alistair cornwall is the man to beat currently so uh get in touch with us and we will sort out uh, a prize for you yeah lots of entries this year as well i think already this is i'm pretty sure this is the most entries we've ever had in the what three seasons we've been doing this um yeah which is yeah brilliant so thank you everyone who's uh who's taken part and obviously as always even if you haven't signed up yet it's never too late because you can always get a prize for uh for getting five out of five and also a good third of the people on this list didn't score any points so it's not like you're miles behind already and you'll probably still beat me because you know me and tom are down in um 231st place i believe we are (laughs) currently so always time to catch up I wonder where um, that would put me. Am I like what? If I actually got my points, would I be in like fifteenth? You'd be equal second if you got your points. <sighs> <laughs> You're gonna have to go and grovel to Tom now. Yeah, I know. You he's, have to he's go sick as well. He's you have to go to go to, to Tom in his sick bed and be like, "Oh, oh, Tom, oh, I know, Tom. I know you're very ill, but could you just do a bit of bit, bit, get get, bit, get under the hood devving. of the website? <laughs> could you do some deving for me, please? Unbelievable. Yeah. Um. Let's finish up with some inbox. Let's. Keep me saying now. Stay, stay up. Box, box, box. Hey, man. Do you want to take the first one? Yes. Um, Paper Camera asks, how far ahead of Lewis was Max after the, after the overtake? Is that the kind of speed advantage running wide delivers or are there other factors? Um... Well, what did you say earlier about two tenths if, a lap if you run wide there? I mean, yeah. he ran very wide. Um, yeah. I mean, he was also on much better tyres at that point. Mm. Um, it, he did... It's weird, isn't it? He did, like, scarper away quite quickly and had to slow down massively to let Lewis back past, which does make yeah, you wonder I, if you would have been able to pull me, the gap. But Part of me thinks that Lewis was slowing that whole thing down a little bit, knowing that he was going to have to give him the position back. And yeah, thinking, possibly. Already thinking, I can save a bit of my tyres here and give myself the, the fighting chance. Quite possibly. It, would also, it also kind of forced um, Max to really slow down, which is obviously going to be no good for your tyre temperature. 
Yeah. There definitely could well have been some games at play there. Yeah. They're smart enough and they're switched on enough to be thinking of that sort of stuff while they're doing this. So, you know, they say it's a game of chess at 200 miles an hour. And definitely there was a, there was a, there were a few gambits being played Oh, absolutely. There. Uh, next, uh, three and one here. Thomas Hardesty says, is it possible we could see increased restrictions on track limits after what happened with Lewis and Max? I agree Max had to return the position, but with other drivers improving lap times as Lewis still in the same corner, it seems like it's an issue the FIA need to fix. Garrett says, track limits arguable or defined by the white line. And that's life say, I say bring back grass and gravel traps. So if a driver goes wider off the track, then they suffer the consequences. Also presents more of a challenge for the drivers like it used to be back in the day. Mm. I agree with the grass and gravel traps. I think that is uh, definitely the grass thing. You know, make it so that they are actually penalized when they go off track and they just naturally slow down. So you don't have, to. We, I've said this so many times, make it so you don't even have to intervene just make going there punishment in and of itself. This might be controversial, but I don't entirely agree. Okay. Once you start introducing, I mean, grass to a lesser extent, but gravel traps particularly, once you start introducing those, it means way more mistakes are punishable with the driver's race ending. And do we really want to see us finishing races with, you know, 12 or 13 cars because drivers have made one mistake and that's the end of their race? No, but I don't think that would happen. I don't think you would. There's, there's ways of doing it. Kinds of mistakes because it, people, these are the, remember, Chris, these are the best drivers in the world. And they're good enough to know that they, where they can, they have to pick their fights with, yeah. with each corner. And if they know that a certain corner is dangerous and can end their race, then they're going to always go a little bit more carefully around that corner and take less chances on it. So yeah. I think, and I think fair. the problem is that when you've got a, literally a Sainsbury's car park just of concrete the entire way around the track, there's no incentive for them to, other than the white line, there's no, there's no real reason for them to not go over it because the FIA aren't giving them any reason not to go over it that it's, it's worth a gamble for them going over it as it yeah. is now no, it's because they point. might they know they might get away with it whereas if there's a hard and fast set of conditions whatever they are whether it's a hard and fast rule or a hard and f- or it's a sensor or or it's a physical you know piece of grass on the runoff area that will physically slow you down Gravel traps less. I, I, I'm I'm kind of on board with the gravel trap thing. I don't think we should be in a situation where no. people's races are being ended, really. But to my point, like they, if if there's a very clear punishment for the driver, they will weigh up the risk and reward of taking that chance. And if the risks outweigh the rewards, then nine drivers out of ten, ninety nine drivers out of a hundred, are gonna in 99% of situations are going to not take that risk unless they absolutely have to. Yeah, no, it's a good, it's a good point. I think I might, I might upset some bikers and MotoGP fans here, but I do think motorbikes are a big part of the problem as well because uh, the safety requirements for bikes are a lot different to racing cars. Like you can't have a strip of grass at the side of a track with when bikes are concerned because the consequences of going out there is so much, you know, potentially so much more severe for bikes. Yeah. So, and you don't want anyone getting, I mean, you don't want people dying for the sake of, yeah, exactly. Like, racing, you're you not going to have people getting 
you know, if how many injuries you're going to get, well, if you get a lot of injuries from OGP as it is without sticking oh, strips God, of grass yeah. and gravel at the side of the track. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's a lot of tracks these days want to cater to everything. You know, they want to have all the the top tier motorsports kind of things. So they have to cater to everything. Um, like a lot of the changes to Silverstone were because they got the MotoGP race a number of years ago. Um, mm. There's, yeah, there's, there's definitely ways of doing it though. Um, it's, I think it's a technology. It's a question of technology. It's it's developing the technologies and to be able to properly and fairly police this across across racetracks. Because remember, Formula One take all the gear to every racetrack with them, yeah. like all, all the sensors, all the timing beams, all that sort of stuff goes around the world with them, and they're setting it up months in advance at each circuit. They, in my mind, in that company, I have seen inside that building there is absolutely no doubt in my mind that there is the capacity there to develop such a technology that will be able to if, if they haven't already they probably already haven't to to monitor whether or not a car has gone on or off the track in fact i think we've seen it before at places like um austria i'm sure at one point they had some sort of laser system or something keeping yeah. track of sort of whether or not the cars were going over the lines or even if it's just a bloke sat at a uh, or a couple of blokes sat at a desk monitoring a particular hotspot like they had this weekend mm. and enforcing the rules as a as a binary rule and i know we've said this many times before if anyone can find a technological solution to this it should be formula 1 absolutely it should be formula 1 like when you look at look at the cameras they've developed and all the kinds of sensor technology that have been developed over the years it's it's not that difficult for them they just don't want to do the motivation isn't there there's there's some machination somewhere that is stopping them from doing it um mm. and i don't know what it is but i think it's it's just so ambiguous and it makes it makes it kind of i think it makes this it can make the sport at times unattractive to your your average sort of especially maybe in the uk like in a game of i hate comparing formula one to football because they're very different sports but a lot of people do compare it to football in this in this country and in that sport there's a very clear line where if the ball goes over the line then it's a throw-in or if the ball goes over this other another particular line then it's a goal if a foul takes place over a particular line then it's a penalty so how is that any different from a car going over a line <laughs> and like it's, <laughs> it's just it's such such simple basic stuff this is the racetrack stay on the racetrack and you won't get a penalty then again um football's managed to find a way to uh use var well, yeah. to brew I mean, that but that's a whole not, we'll not get, thing. That's, that's a different podcast let's not get into that <laughs> Um, it's my turn, is it? Callum Hall um, asks, how differently, holy well, can't speak, how differently do you see the results turning out if Perez had a good quality? The Mercs were able to bully Max a bit on strategy, and I wonder if that could have changed, if that could have all changed with Checo there for pressure. Um, I think, yeah, I do think mm. it would have been a different race if uh, Checo had been there. Yeah, because if, if Checo had been running third or fourth, Hamilton doing the early undercut would have not been as attractive a thing, would it? Because if well, no, he it could have been held up, if he yeah. dropped out behind Perez, yeah, that could have been 
com- yeah, completely changed to the state of that race, and yeah, which has been Red Bull's problem for a number of years now, and that's where yeah. they need him to be. Yeah, but I think the difference here is that you know the, the thing, the important thing to point out is none of this is Checo's fault. Like it wasn't necessarily because no. he didn't qualify great. I mean, you can excuse him for not having a perfect qualifying in his first race for a team. Um, I think the fact that the engine died on him. <laughs> on his way around on the formation lap it's probably more of a team issue than it is like a driver issue on that one so um you know let's just reserve judgment on, on some of these guys until we're a couple of races in yeah totally ryan f1 says yesterday instead of seeing a new vettel i think we saw the one from last year with the dodgy moves and pace do you think it was a fluke or was it something bigger i think it was bad strategy the, yeah, the the result was down to strategy. It was an awful choice. Um, like you say, they were gambling on safety car that never came. Um, yeah. The the collision with Ocon was kind of reminiscent of some of his lower moments in recent years. I mean, I don't know. Like I haven't seen much of much footage of him. Like I don't know if he looks any more or less comfortable in this car than he did in the Ferrari. But like I, I really like the guy and I really want him to do well. I am I've defended him a lot in recent years, but I am starting to think now he's oh his best years behind him, sort of thing. Like is he ever mm. really gonna get back up to that top level? I don't know. I don't I don't want that to be the case, but I'm I'm concerned it might be. Mm. I've warmed to Vettel over the years, but same. I I don't want to judge him just yet because again you know I've just said it about um, about Checo and I, I think the same applies to Vettel he's in a completely different car new engine mm-hmm. new aero philosophy just just a kind of alien to I mean, yeah they're all Formula One cars they're all on the same tires but you know he he got lumbered with a rough strategy and he's in a sort of a brand new car that he's not used to in a with a whole new team. He can't really, he probably can't quite sort of shape things 100% in the direction he wants to yet. There's probably a few changes going on at the team to allow him to sort of make things more how he likes them. And I think it's just going to, it's a period of settling in time for Vettel. And I I, I don't think it's fair to sort of yeah. judge him too harshly just yet. Yeah, you definitely have to give drivers time to, to bed in when they've sort of changed, as you say, so many things. Yeah. Um, Wesley Paul says, after yesterday's performance, how long before Valtteri forces Toto ha- Toto's hand, makes him say out loud what he's been alluding to all along? You're our number two. Your job is to score points for the team and help Lewis win. <laughs> Might that cause a shocker of a move when silly season kicks off? Um, I don't think there's any... Sh- I, th- I, I would be very surprised if Bottas is still in McLaren next year. I'd be surprised if he's in McLaren next year. Uh <laughs> It's been a long, <laughs> long 48 hours, okay? It's hard. It's hard, Chris, and I'm tired. Um, Mercedes, he's, he's gonna, <laughs> I don't think it will be a Mercedes next year. I think I think the only thing, honestly, that will keep him in that seat is a world championship, and even then, yeah. I don't think it would be a guarantee. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I do really think we're seeing his last year there, and as much as I like the guy, I... 
don't think he's doing enough to warrant keeping that seat, especially when you've got someone like George Russell sat on the sidelines waiting for his chance. Yeah, George Russell looks frustrated as well. He does. In in his interview, he seemed quite frustrated at the end of the race yesterday. Yeah, he wants to be at the other end of that grid, and yeah, based he's on what the scene deserves to be exactly. Yeah, he's had a taste of the sweet, sweet Fanta, <laughs> and then it was ripped painfully away from him. Yeah, uh, it's like the it's like when you have a drink and then the straw's got a a break in it. <laughs> it's the most disappointing thing in the world. <laughs> yeah, I can't get the thing I want. Also. We've had one race. Let's not start talking about silly season yet, Wesley. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Calm down, Wes. I can't. I can't handle that. Yeah, I can't handle silly season this early again. Oh god, that was so crazy last year, wasn't it? Uh, should we do the next one? Yeah, next, Ducas Nelly. Are you kind of glad the 2021 rules got pushed to 2022 now? Because I yeah. am. Uh, yeah, very glad. And yeah. it's you've been saying it all along, Stu. Like. Nothing gives you a good season like a rule change the year after. Yeah, totally. I don't think last season would have been as good. I don't think last season is. And let's just remember, we're only one race in. Yeah, it's got carried let's away. Let's not overpromise. Let's not get carried away. But definitely, on off the back of such a close race, you do feel you can't help but feel like it's going to be a really good season ahead and. Already, like, I, I mean, I remember last season, you know, what was it? Austria was the first race. After that race, we were like, wow, we're going to win for an absolute scenes this year. Because mm-hmm. I remember it, it was uh, Norris on his on a podium, wasn't yep. it? Yep. In the first race. And it was like pretty, that was a pretty hectic race. Yeah, Bottas won it. Yeah. So, yeah, like, let's just... Let's just hold off. Just, just everyone calm down. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I am excited for the season. I think it it will be a good one. But um, let's just not just let's stop stop getting carried away. Don't get just don't try not to get too carried away. Because if we put too much pressure on, we'll all be disappointed, and we don't want that. We just want to enjoy it for what it is. Yeah, I mean, although like there's obviously way more of a story to it. Part of me was like. After all the build-up and all the talk, obviously Hamilton won that race. Like we'd spend yeah, the whole exactly. off season, like, the yeah, whole of yeah. testing, being like, "Oh, Mercedes like having problems are not quite there." Like, of course, yeah, Hamilton turns up and wins it. Like it wasn't quite that simple, but mm. you know, it was. It, but I think we, you know, we said it earlier. Like, it's the first time that they haven't looked infallible. I think that's fair to say. I think it's yeah. the first time in a few years that Mercedes haven't looked like they're going to win every single race. Mm. It looks like there. It does look like there will be a fight, but although weirdly, it is the first time Hamilton's won the opening race in like yeah. six years, and yet everyone's like, "Oh, you'd think it'd be." <laughs> yeah, it's weird, crazy, isn't it? crazy, crazy. Weird world we live in. Um, Thomas says, given his financial backing. How badly and how often would Schumacher's teammate need to mess up for Haas to replace him? Um, unfortunately, unless the FIA take his license off him, he's yeah. not getting out of that seat at all. Yeah. He'd have to be costing them more every race than what he's giving them. So yeah. given that he's... I mean, maybe we should try and keep a running tally of how much Nikita <laughs> Mazepan's costing his Formula One team. There is a video somewhere on the internet about how much each component costs to replace roughly on a Formula One car. So maybe maths. we could dig that out and do a bit of quick maths, yeah. When and... 
I mean, try and keep a running tally. At least crashing out on the opening lap means he wasn't able to get any penalty points on his license. So there's that at least. Yeah. I'll be honest as well. When like there was the the duel was going on towards the end of that race and like they Hamilton and Verstappen were coming up on traffic and stuff, I was glad that he wasn't part of that traffic just to like get in the way and ruin things or run into the one of them or something. Cause yeah. It yeah, wouldn't have surprised sort of me if that would like, happen. That's the thing, isn't it? Like you don't know what he's going to be like when he starts getting blue flags. He's probably not. He's probably never had a blue flag. Yeah, and so I mean, he's you know, we're not going to take it very well when he does get one. And we're not being unduly harsh here. He has history with this stuff. But anyway, let's not talk about him anymore. Anyway, yeah. Last one. Finally, uh, from Joshua Grant. Do you think Mercedes will regain their lost advantages as the season rolls on, thus making this fight less exciting? Ooh, that's an interesting question. I don't think it necessarily make the fight less interesting just yet because from what it looks like, certainly in qualifying pace, they are a, a, a bit of a way behind. So if anything, it'll make it more exciting because that gap will get closer and closer. Um, and then if they continue to develop and get better and better, then obviously that gap will extend the other way and Mercedes will get faster and faster and their lead will get bigger. So yeah, that's obviously thing, that, that might be less exciting. But for now, like, I think it's a good situation. Yeah, that's things like it's fun seeing Verstappen now kind of go into races being the favourite. But then we don't want a situation where Verstappen just turns up and wins every weekend. Exactly, <laughs> like, yeah. Ultimately, we... just as boring. Exactly, yeah. just as boring to see Red Bull show up and dominate as what it has been to It'd Mercedes. just be and someone just different dominating. Team. Yeah, it doesn't make it exciting. Like we... What you want is for teams to be matched and to be fighting each other week in week out and unpredictability you want to get you want what we had last this weekend just gone you want to get to that final lap but still not know who is going to win that race yeah if we can get what is it 23 races this season if we get 23 of those then i don't think my heart could take 23 races. <laughs> no i don't think mine could i mean that that those 23 include sochi and monaco so yeah there's some gonna, respite there's gonna be lulls we might be welcome for um a boring sochi race by that point maybe yeah no I'll, I'll never be glad to see that place but anyway uh that i think <laughs> brings us to the end of this week's uh episode thank you on that savage note yeah i know right <laughs> um thank you very much everyone for uh for joining us um, special thank you as well to all of our patrons. We we had a really good time like chatting on Discord through the race weekend. Um, we haven't even like mentioned Formula Two on this podcast. We've not had time, but F two was equally amazing. Brilliant like, race! Three yeah, three yeah. races, three different winners. It looks like any one of the ten or twelve drivers could be championship contenders. Um, well, especially when they're reversing the grid every five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, like really fun chatting to people on our Discord. Um, the whole way through the weekend so if you haven't already you can give our patreon uh, a look at patreon.com forward slash back of the grid uh, special mention as always to our team principals as well uh, that's mark mcneil narayan hamari and wesley paul um big special thank you to you guys um and yeah as always you can get in touch with us uh twitter facebook instagram all those things you can just search back the grid and you'll find us or you can go to back of the grid.com where you can send a message to us via the contact form and you can also see how you did on the Prediction League. The uh, the league table is all up to date now, so you can see how you got on in the last race. And mm-hmm. I think that will do us for this week. So there's actually three weeks until the next race now, isn't there? Um, yes. Which there is, is going to 
three weeks. I, I think this three weeks is going to feel longer than the off season, honestly, after the race we've just no, had. No, it's not. I've got to move house. I, oh. I might be homeless in two weeks. So. <laughs> Fun. Um, we do have actually Extreme E, the new um, off-road series from the, the, the people that bought you Formula E, uh, starts up this coming weekend. So that will tide us all over for that weekend, I think. Yeah. Um, and I think, is there a Formula E race as well? Uh, I actually can't, not... I can't even remember. You know Formula... I've got my calendar right here. Let me look really quick. It's the classic Formula E thing of open the season and then have a massive gap before the second round. So, yeah, uh, yeah, it's the Rome E. Pre... Yeah, the Rome E Pre round three. Is that yeah, this weekend or three. next That's weekend? The weekend of the tenth. Okay, cool. Um, and that's a double header, I think they've announced as well now. So, plenty of racing to side us over. Uh, but yeah, thank you again, everyone, for joining us. And until next time, goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>